Hey, Mike McGann here. So there's a very special edition of Secret to My Success that we're all set to play today. And um, the reason for that, well, it had a, a very important, very special person on this program, Alan, with quite a story. Yes. Alan Bornstein, tell me a little bit uh, about that story and, and why we're playing that show again. We had Uncle Jack, Jack Bornstein on our show. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. 101, totally with it up until about... 10 days ago when he's had some issues and he passed away Friday and we're going to replay this show in his memory and most incredible guy that I knew. Alan, I I know what your relationship with your uncle was like. I remember watching you two do that show together and how proud you were to say, look, this is my uncle. He's 101 years old. What a guy. He's got an amazing story. And I could see how close the two of you were and, and even still are. Mike, I got to tell you, this is crazy. So he was in my house. Okay. He passed away on Friday. Okay. And we're waiting for hospice to take him to mm-hmm. the funeral home. Three hours. Right. Still sitting there. Yeah. And we're talking to him. They say you never leave somebody alone. Yeah. So we're yeah. talking to him. And I'm saying, Uncle Jack, you got to give me a sign. You got to let me know that you're okay. Somehow, I don't know how you're going to do it. You got to let me know. Yeah. And I'm telling you. The lights in the bedroom start blinking. I can't make this up. No, you can't. And then a little while later, we were talking about his son who had passed away. His yeah. son passed away a, a couple months back, and he was 66. He was retarded, but his ex-wife had passed away before he did. And I said it was some sort of divine intervention that she went first so that when he went over, that he wasn't alone. Yeah, they were there. And we were talking, and I said, he's retarded. My sister-in-law is giving me a hard time. It's not the proper term. I said, look, I'm not politically correct, but that's the term they use. Well, it literally means slowed down. I have a son on the autism spectrum, and from a literal standpoint, slowed down is what it means. Right. Connotation's one thing, but it's I get where you're coming from. And having that having having that in that order, so he wasn't alone when he got there. He had that first familiar face as he faced everything completely clear. Right. It's beautiful. The lights start blinking in the room again. Good I, heavens. I mean, and it didn't happen after, and it didn't happen before. Right. And my uncle, who cared about everybody, who wrote a letter to us that I got after he passed. And at the end of his letter, he actually said that if he could find a way from the other world to be here to protect me, that he wanted to be as I was here for him in this world. I can't make this stuff no, up. You can't, Alan. That's it's a beautiful story, and uh, I know that that it's. I know it's it's been a tough time for you, but this. This program is so indicative of who Uncle Jack not only was, but who he is, his soul, his spirit, his legacy, what he meant to you and what that story can mean. So uh, in honor of Uncle Jack, Uncle Jack, rest well. And uh, thanks for hanging around for Alan. I love you, Uncle Jack. You're a good man. I still do, and I miss you. That's it. Secret to my success in honor of Jack Bornstein. Thank you, Mike. Anytime, Alan. Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can 
can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Good morning. This is Alan, Secret to My Success. Thanks for being here on this lovely Saturday morning. With me is Luis. How are you guys? How's everybody? Jim Dandy. How you doing, Louis? Good, good. And Don, we, how you doing? We have Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hello. Alan. Hello, Dawn. Hello, Louis. It's not Dawn of the Dead today, is it? No. No? Just Dawn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Guys, we're going to go something a little different today. Usually we're trying to bring in celebrities. We're trying to bring in folks that have owned businesses. We're doing something a little different. We've got a celebrity. We do have a celebrity. He's yeah, a stud. Do. Yeah. So we have Jack Bornstein. Yes, of course. He's somehow related to me. It's my uncle. Oh, we're sorry about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Alan. I don't want to hear that. I love you. He's 101 years old. <laughs> so awesome. And he's going to tell you that he loves me too. What? 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 What you say, Alan? 101? He's 101 year. He was born in 1921. Woo! Right? Right. That's good. January 22nd. 1921. So my uncle has been always there in my life. And it's funny. For years, nobody ever talked about the war, and he didn't either. And then when a lot of the guys started dying off, they started talking about it. And Uncle Jack, super successful career. He was an attorney. But he was at the Battle of the Bulge. So I have all these stories, but I'm going to let Don and I'm going to let Louie talk a little to Uncle Jack and find out what it is they don't know. Jack, I just want to ask you, what is the secret? Because we're in the secret of your success, but what is the secret? Well, one, I would say that after the war, I never took anything seriously. Yes, I knew that to other people, their things were important. And as well as I turned out to be a lawyer, and I listened, and I heard their problems. To them, their problems were serious. To me, yes, they were serious, some of them, but not entirely. By listening and talking to them, I hoped to allay their fears. And I've been successful throughout my life, first of all, because I have a wonderful family. And they have backed me up 100%. Uncle Jack, we have to step backwards. You were a forward observer in the war. Yes, I Tell people what a forward observer did. I was with the 78th Infantry Division attached to an artillery outfit. And I became a forward observer. A forward observer would stay with the infantry. And as soon as we would sight Germans, we would call fire down upon them. And I worked with a boy from Suffolk, Virginia, Thaddeus Williams, a southern boy you would ever want to meet with his actions and all. We worked as a team together with a lieutenant from Texas. And we were up two or three times, and on a third time, I was hit. I went to England for a month. I was hoping that I had what they called the million-dollar wound. 
where they will send you home. Unfortunately, I didn't. I went back to my outfit, but I was lucky after that. And So, Jack, you told me at one point that the average lifespan of a forward observer in battle was 10 minutes. No, it was less than 10 minutes. It was, it was almost in, in a half a minute or so. Once the Germans discovered the place that I was in, they, they sat down tremendous amounts of fire, and we lost a lot of forward observers. The lifespan of the forward observer in combat was about 20 to 30 seconds, believe it or not. And you managed. So, so what was your secret? My secret, I moved around a lot. <laughs> as soon as we called down fire, we knew we would get fire return, and I would leave that spot and try to find another spot. That was the secret? Keep running? Keep running, yes. Keep moving. Keep running, keep moving. Wow. So you were at the Battle of the Bulge? Yes, I was. There's nothing like, I've got to tell you, have any of you folks watched Band of Brothers? No, I have not. Louis, did you watch Band of Brothers? Yes, I did. Nope. Louis, Louis, you got to watch Band of Brothers. So watching this movie, sitting there with my uncle, and then telling me in detail. In the band, band of Brothers? Yeah, it was the HBO special. Yes, 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 yes I watched that. So I think they're in the Ardennes Forest. And the trees Odd are yes. right. The trees are blowing up around him. And my uncle's like, "Yeah, I was there." Wow. Well, we learned very quickly. When we came to our dens. We, I really picked something on the trees. They said, "No, don't pick on the trees." The Germans do that, and they would set their fire, their artillery fire, to explode over these trees, so the shrapnel would come down straight upon you. So we we went, we were safer out in the open, more or less, on a hill where we could see them and they can see us. That's pretty wild. Very wild. So <laughs> we, you have to tell the story. It's an interesting one. When you went into the military, you hadn't finished your bachelor's degree. Yes. And my grandmother had to actually go and fight for you to get your bachelor's degree. Well, what happened was, I was, I almost finished my college degree when I was drafted. And my mother went down and said, to draft board and said, gentlemen, he has nine more credits to go. I know he's going overseas. Is there any way he could graduate before he went overseas? And the gentleman, after a couple of weeks, called my mother and said, yes, we, we, we believe we found a way that we might help him mm. to graduate before. They gave me credit for all the subjects I had up until that point. I was still missing one or two credits. There was no way they said they could find it, but one of them, gentlemen on the board, in fact, my grandma history school uh, teacher was on draft board. He said, we think we found a way. We will give credit for everything he had, plus one credit for military service. They all decided, mm-hmm. yes, they would. And because I was in the military, 
I had been ripped. They gave me the one credit, and I graduated with my graduation class before I went overseas. Wow. And that's how I got my degree. Degree. So you didn't really degree. do it. Baba Bertha got you a degree. Yes, my <laughs> mother did. My mother, not, n- nothing I did. How old were you when you were drafted? 22. Mm. Wow. So my uncle went over to... Well, I was I was 20, but I didn't go over until I was 22. So 22. So I, I grew up in East Hartford, Connecticut, and the big joke was we had a guest on here, and I said I was the only poor Jewish kid he knew, and he said I was the only Jewish kid he knew. <laughs> so that he didn't grow up. And Uncle Jack had some stories that when you were there that a lot of people didn't believe that you were Jewish. Well, there are very few Jewish boys in my house. There are five or six of us. And it's hard to say, but being a Jewish boy in the Army at the time, there was maybe four or five of us. And we had to prove ourselves that even though we were Jewish, we still had to be like everybody else in the outfit. And when I was sent up as a forward observer and they heard what had happened, they looked at me with different eyes. They said I was one of them. Hmm. What one of them meant, I really didn't know. I didn't care because I knew what I had been through and I was very, very lucky. You had told of a story that you had gotten out of the shower and one of the guys said, you can't be Jewish because you don't have horns and a uh, tail. Ho- yes, because I didn't have, he kept looking, a kid that I remember, Jack Alexander. He came from a mountain in Tennessee. And he said he always was told that Jewish people had horns and tails. And when I was taking a shower, he was looking at me. I said, Jack, what the hell are you looking at? He said, well, I always thought Jews had horns and tails. I find out we don't. <laughs> Some crazy stuff nobody talks about. But it's crazy stuff, but it's it's true. It was too stuff crazy. My father was a cook in the army, and he was he had some of the same thing happen to him that happened to me. But once I went through the rigmarole and was able to take care of myself. I was looked upon as one of the regular guys. And I never had any trouble with them ever since. So Uncle Jack, we're going to get a little personal here. You went over to Europe as a virgin. Yes. You had never been with a woman. (laughs) I'd never been with a woman before. You had to go there at 22. So. That's good. That's good. (laughs) When, When I got. When I got out of the hospital, I said, in, instead of going home, and I found I was going back to my outfit, I said, before I go, I got to know what it is to sleep with a woman. And I must say that from that, from that moment on, until the time I came home, I think I slept with almost every woman in Europe. <laughs> But we had a lot of fun. I guess you felt it's so good, huh? So is that when you realized that you had a reason to live? Is that when you realized you had a reason to live? Yes. Well, I I did want to come home and talk. My brothers, I had four four brothers and a sister. Two others of my brothers were in the Army. So my mother had three of us in the Army at one time. 
I can imagine how tough it was for them. I used to... Jack. Yes? Jack, it's Luis. It's kind of similar. My grandfather, he died He died a few years ago, but he was 99, going on 99 when he died. And people say he was a little older, but kind of funny you say that after you had it for the first time, you're like, geez, this is all I need to know. He used to tell us when we were kids, he says, the car has four tires and a spare on the back. Oh. Meaning like, you got to have a lot of women. That's what he, that's what he <laughs> preached to us. The ladies' man. Yeah. He had a French so friend. So that was a secret, right? You're right. I've heard a bunch of different stories, and one of the funniest stories that I heard was after the war when things were settling down. Uh, you got a bunch of guys trying to figure it out, and you're in a little town, and if you remember the story with the little mustaches that made you upset. Mm. No, I, I, you talking about where they came in and we had saved the town from the Germans. There were a lot of Russian prisoners that the Germans took back with them and made laborers out of them. Mm. And we, ha we took over the town and the laborers had nothing to thank us with except they had vodka made out of potatoes. Vodka. Out of potato shells. They gave us a vodka, and I swear, I had one drink. I felt every hair in my head stand up and watch out. My kids, when you see his story, loved it all the time. I had repeated the story a number of times to them. So you had told me another story, which was that you were drinking in the town, and you got tired of looking at all the old German men with the little Hitler mustaches. Yes, yes. So now tell us that story. Uh, a few of us went to town to drink, and we noticed. I said, do you notice anything strange about the men here? And I said, no, not exactly. But I said, if you look closely, every man has a Hitler mustache. I said, so what? So uh, we could do something about it. I sat down and wrote out an order as if I was a lieutenant. And I said by 12 o'clock the next day, every man that had a Hitler message had to shave it off. And I posted it on the wall. The next day, every man that had a Hitler message had a shaven spot where that message had been. Mm -hmm. And we all had a terrific laugh about it. But this was after the war, so it was fun. It was really funny. Yeah, I got to ask you, you were in the war, you know, several wars prior, right? Was there a moment in time you say, oh, my God, we're in trouble. I'm not going to make it. Yes, yes, I did. It happened a few times. It, it was crazy. My buddy was Thaddeus Williams, a kid from the south. And one day we were walking through some woods, and I kept hearing the buzzing. I said, geez, a lot of bees here, a lot of buzzing. He said, you damn Yankee, those are bulls, duck. <laughs> oh. Wow. Mm. So let's talk about that. Yes, you actually were asked to go and deliver his eulogy. Yes, I, Seth, my son Seth, and I went down there to deliver his eulogy. It's up there, by the he, way. He died about eight, nine years ago. Mm. And he belonged to the, uh, to his, to his uh, club. And all the people were there, and they wanted to hear stories. And I told him what I could. He and I used to carry wire 
up and then we straight a wire back to another person and we we converse that way and he and I used three wire in the open L- lieutenant that we was that we work with never came out of his pocket hole he was afraid but he was afraid he just wouldn't admit so status and I did all the heavy work and we were lucky he was he was never hit mm. but he was in as much action as I was did you guys keep in contact over the years? Yes. After the war? Yes, yeah. after after war I he came to New York where we lived and his wife and my wife and I at that time we we went to Suffolk, Virginia where he lived mm-hmm. twice. We had rumble times and we reminisced a lot. He was he was a Renaissance man little I didn't know too much about him. But he wrote well. He wrote poetry. Hmm. He painted. He there was nothing he could do, and yet he never would talk about it. But I do keep in touch with one of his daughters, Betty Mance. She lives in Massachusetts, and we do keep in touch every so often. So there was a mind change way back when when you first came back. You said that a lot of the guys that were talking about the war when they came back weren't the ones who really went through it. I'm sorry? You said that the people that were talking about the war when they came back weren't the, really the ones that went through it. No. Somebody who has been in action seldom talk about it. Don't talk My about son it. was 16 when he finally said, Dad, you never talk about the war, but is there something you can tell me about it? And that's when I started to talk about it. And I let him know what it really was like. And he went out and bought me a, my cap, which I have here today. And he said, wear it. So I've been wearing it for the last 15, 20 years or so. And the amazing thing about this, people come up to me and say, thank you, thank you. Because three, four years ago, there were at least 115,000 of us left. Mm. In that three years, I understand that we are now down to 15, 20,000 throughout the United States. So why I'm here, I don't know. I say it because of my family. They used to write to me every day and they did little things that made me feel I was with them. And that meant to me and others too, better than food. We would rather get a letter from home than eat. To have that contact and that love, right, coming to you from your family. I'm, I'm sorry. I said to have that contact, right, oh, and the oh, yes. and the love coming from your yes. family. Yes, yes, right? I did have that. I had that all the way through. If it wasn't for them, to a large extent, I don't know how I would have made. Yeah, what is um, throughout these years? Obviously, um, you know, you genetically you're gifted. I mean, you, you live a long time. Yes. Uh, you know, what? Um, what is the diet? What, what do you eat? What do you normally eat? 
What do you normally eat? He wants to know if there's any kind of dietary. Dietary? To help you live to 101? Uh, bre- <laughs> hanging out with Alan. Bre- <laughs> breakfast is coffee and orange juice. And lunch is soup. I like soup, any kind of soup. And my main meal of the day is dinner. Dinner. I live in a place called Discovery. There are three buildings. I live in the building where people are pretty reliant upon themselves. There's a building, a memory building. People have lost their memory. And then there's a third building. They're really out of it. So Uncle Jack lives in the independent living. Yeah, independent. Mm-hmm. So it's like he has an apartment, but they give him meals. Yes. But they bring him food, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a cafeteria or like a luncheon place that you go down there and he's got a girlfriend. So I was, that was going to be my question. You got a favorite lady in there who brings yes, you the Yes, I do. I... <laughs> I I met somebody which you could talk to. She is she's very nice. I, yes. <laughs> it's hard to talk about somebody that yes. is so close, but she is, and she and I get along very she's, well. She's 95, right? Nice. She what? She's 95. 96. Oh. 96. And a Younger women, huh? Yes, a young woman. Woo! It's a good dance partner right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, yes. She still drives, too. Pretty yes, amazing. she drives. And she, aye, aye, aye. she drives and she takes I shopping with her. I feel like a kid that club. I ain't gonna work here no more. Yes, young, huh? Yes, she does. She's young. She's young. She's young. My name is Tom Reed, and I am the Managing General Partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Jack, we're back. You know, there's this funny thing. I know you've got one eye and my poker buddies always play that one game in your honor called One-Eyed Jack is Wild? Yes, I do. Yes. And the last thing you could do, you know, screaming on a plane is if he's in the back of the plane, you can't scream hijack. 
because that's a problem. Yes. So, Jack, I got to ask you. You left Brooklyn to join the service when? When did you go? I didn't join. I was drafted. Okay, you were drafted. But when did you leave? Uh, I went into the Army December 12th. We were attacked December 7th, 41. I was drafted 42. Okay. And I, I didn't go out until January 26th. Of nineteen twenty, see how the bond does. It, it wasn't twenties; it was forties. Nineteen forty-three. Okay, so maybe let's just yeah. make the assumption. Right? And yeah. when did you come back? I came back in January of uh, forty. Let's see, forty-three, forty-six. So th- over three years, you're yeah. gone. I was. I was in the total. Army total of four years a month, a year and three months overseas. Okay, but you had been out of New York for that whole time. Correct? Yes. Yes. So you go back to New York. Okay, war's over, and to think they're training you, teaching you combat, how to kill people. Seriously, you had one battle that you were in hand-to-hand combat with a gentleman that you were behind enemy lines. Yeah. Well, I. I was separated from Thaddeus Williams and Lieutenant Jurgen, and I was sitting just sort of relaxed. Didn't didn't know. All of a sudden, I saw somebody coming around the corner. I saw a German soldier, and he saw me, and he went to pick up his rifle, and I took my rifle. I threw it at him. I stunned him. I grabbed him, and I held him around the neck, and I choked him to death. Pretty wow. amazing. I mean, that's hand-to-hand combat. Yes. That's hand-to-hand well, wow. but, but I got the advantage of him, and we, at night, we could tell. The Germans wore hobnailed shoes. You could always hear their shoes on the ground, and they also wore... Long coats, no belts. The Americans, we wore long coats. winter time. We wore coats, but we wore belts. So we were belted. We had, it didn't have a straight silhouette. We had, a, we had a broken silhouette. So at night, if we saw anything straight, we took those hands, we shot, we fired. And all of us knew, all the Americans knew, Anyone with straight silhouette, don't take your chances. Fire. Okay. Not so you had to go through all this. You think about this. Trained in stuff like this that nobody would ever think about, nobody would ever know. You're going hand-to-hand combat, and you're then going to be let go. They're going to tell you the war's over. Go home. Mm-hmm. How did they prepare you? Because everybody now talks about PTSD. Right. What did they do for you that said, okay, well, I'll go back and acclimate to your we, life? Well, when we knew the war was definitely over, and we knew that we were definitely going home. It was a different world. The world suddenly opened up again for us. And although we were told not to fraternize while we were in Germany, after the war, there was a lot of fraternization between Americans and German women and we had a good time, there's no question about it. And money was not the currency. They printed money 
no good. However, cigarettes, cotton cigarettes, I once hired a hotel room, one cotton cigarettes. Cigarettes were like gold, American cigarettes. So after but war, you never smoked cigarettes, did you? No, it's cigars. I, my, my dad was a cigar smoker. I never, I used to give my cigarettes away, and I smoked cigars. So, so that's part of, that's part of the secret, right there. The cigars. Smoke cigars, not cigarettes. <laughs> cigars, not yeah, cigars. that's a good secret. Uh, so, you're going to come back. You're four years out of New York. How did you transition? Your first day back, sleeping in your bed at home. What was it like? The first day I was home, my mother gave me a cold, ice-cold bottle of milk. She knew I liked milk. And apple pie. Mm. Mother Wagner's apple pie. They sat me down, gave me this bottle of milk, a whole Mother Wagner's apple pie. And while the rest of the family were just watching me, I ate. I drank the whole bottle of milk. And I ate the whole apple pie. Apple pie. I could see that. Yeah. I've seen you eat apple pie. No. That's your first day. Yes. Baba Bertha's giving you ice cold milk, apple pie, and then what? Where? I mean, how did you transition? How did you go from well, where you well, were to I right? Lo- how do you go back to the I real did, world? I did look at the family while I was I was just eating. When I looked up, my father and brother were crying. Oh. But this time they were crying with happiness. Mm-hmm. When I had to leave, my father walked me down to the subway station. Not my mother. She couldn't do that. My father went down, and I went down into the station, and I looked up. The entrance says, my father, my father was just There's tears. Tears were coming out of the and he suddenly cried. But he felt there were moments like that, that plus one, two moments of the war itself. It's it's unbelievable. And even now, as I talk about it, it's hard to realize that you go through something like that, and here I am talking to you. It's, it's unbelievable for me. Is it hard still? I mean, I, I don't know if this is a kind of a dumb question, but to when you said your kids had asked you about it, right? Yes. And um, you know, and then coming in here and talking to us about it, and it's been so many years, but I, I can't imagine. I just can't even imagine. But is it still hard to have those conversations, or was it hard for you to have those conversations? It's, it's not hard. If so many years, it isn't hard. But as I'm talking to you right now, I I feel emotions I haven't felt in a long time. Right, that body, the memory, right? It's it lives in the I was, in our bodies. I was fortunate enough to go with him. We went up to uh, the World War II Museum in New Orleans, and uh, I've been with my uncle a long time. He's a good man, and you could see it was an emotional time. We, mm-hmm. Me and his son and his grandson went, and it was an emotional time. It was probably a little too lifelike, and it brought back a whole lot for him. But we just figured we have to talk about it. You know, we're fortunate enough to have him here. Right. To have them still with us. 101. We're shooting for 120. 120. No. Right on. Well, hey, listen, I, the next I'm birthday, I want to go with you guys. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a shirt. I saw that. We need to get you a new shirt. That was last year. Last year's shirt, yeah. I need a picture of that. 
Here, so, let me see. <laughs> there we go. Oh, it's perfect. Thank you. So, Uncle Jack, yes. how long did it take you from the time you finally got back to start going to law school? Because you went to law school, obviously, after yes, returning. I, I was, my thoughts before the war, I was going to college. I thought I'd be a teacher or a lawyer. When I came back, being a teacher, although I made a mistake, I should have been a teacher. I should have been able to talk to these kids the way I talk to you or to my own kids. I, I think I'd have a, a better effect for the future. But I did become a lawyer, and I did well with it. And uh, I was able to take care of my family. How long were you a lawyer? I was a lawyer I mean, you're still a lawyer. 47 years. I'm still a lawyer. You're still a lawyer. 47 years. So how long before, when you came back from the war, before you practiced law on your own? How? How many years from when you came back from the war till you went out and practiced on your own? Uh, I always practiced on my own. I I never worked for anybody. I would be, and I, two years, I went to law school for, uh, and 59, and I became a lawyer sometime in 59 until the present day. So it took a little bit of time. Yeah. For you to, okay. And you were kind of like, uh, how do I put this? The Andy Griffith type of lawyer. You were just like a hometown nice guy. guy. Yeah. But I, you, you, I, didn't, you weren't chasing ambulances. You kind of no, did everything for no, everybody. No, I, I never handled negligence. Everything but negligence. I hated negligence part. I would, I would help people if they had problems, and if I could, I could help. I would help, but I didn't handle negligence cases. Look, you and I both really know you didn't do any of it. Your your secretary, what was her name? Uh, what was your secretary's name? Uh, Alice. Alice was with you for how many years? Fifteen, twenty-two years. 22 years. 22 years. So we all know that Alice was the brains of the operation. She right? was. I would go. Now, lawyers, single practitioners hate to go away on vacation because they're afraid they'll miss that client. Not with Alice. I would leave. I would go vacation for three weeks' time, twice to Israel. Hmm. And <clears throat> when I came back, my desk was loaded with papers, all in chronological order. The way I left him and the way I came back. I take the sheet, it was all written up as to up to date, and that's how I, I was able to run office by myself. Otherwise, I, I'd have to work for somebody else. Pretty wild. She kept good notes and took care of everything, right? Took care of stuff, kept she, you in line. She was excellent. That's I awesome. Yeah. She she was so in fact she'll be down. She and her husband are coming down in the next couple of months. How old is she now? Well, she's gotta be in her sixties now. She's gotta be older than that. <laughs> <laughs> she's gotta be a few weeks older than that. And we still got we still got a law. Dawn? Yeah, I just I've got emotional before. You know, I would thank you for all that you've done, and I nobody in my family was in the service. I actually had my uh, great uncle Russell was, but he never talked about it. Emotional, just hearing people 
talk about it. Can't imagine to have to have, have lived that in that time or at any time. My uncle's an amazing guy. And one thing that was interesting about that story, he wrote a book for the family called Through Rose-Colored Glasses. Oh. And so the family has this book, and that story that he talked about, and he's 101. He's entitled to have a few memory lapses. Right. But he talks about this, that when he finally had to choke this guy, that he was so mad. Mm-hmm. He said that he, he felt like a bear, that he was just so mad that this circumstance had him. Yes, you, you remind me. I was angry because I said, this SOB, because of him and others like him, and I, the Nazis, those that were Nazis were really bad. I had no compunction about killing them if I had to. They were. Was it a you and him? Yes, yeah. some Germans were were nice people. They were nice. They weren't all Nazis. But you told me at one point you got into trouble because you guys were so mad you found a bunch of American soldiers that were executed. They, when the Battle of Bulls started and the Germans has this surprise attack. They captured a lot of soldiers from the 106th Division, and instead of taking them back to prison camps, they took them out to a field, and they killed them in a field. From that moment on, I never took a prisoner alive. I didn't care. Not only me, but all the guys who were with me. We never took a German prisoner alive thereafter. It was called the Massacre of Malmody. It's written up in the history books. But at some point they told you, Jack, we need some intel. Yes, that's what happened. They came in and said, you guys have to stop. We need information from them. Don't kill all of them. So we didn't. What we did, we took prisoners and the older prisoners and the young kids we didn't kill. We saw their kids at 14, 50 years of age, 50 years of age, men in their 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, we knew they were drafted, but we would tell them, we'd bring one in to question them, and we said to them, if you don't give us the right answers, we're going to kill you. And what they did, some of them didn't give any answers. We took them out, and all of a sudden you heard shots. So the other German prisoners knew, apparently thought that we were, we were definitely going to kill all of them. We didn't say so. A lot of them start talk and tell us information that we knew. There's nothing you do in war that means anything. You just do it. Anything to save yourself, mm-hmm. to save your buddies. That's, that's what you're live for. And you hope you come out alive. What advice would you have for any of our current soldiers that have left the battlefield and they're trying to reacclimate to life here in the U.S.? I think that everyone has its own feelings. Some are frightened, they're scared, but they keep on fighting. Others don't. Others find reason to run back to the field lines, say, out of fighting. <coughs> but most Sorry. of them, they fight, they have to. To, to live, you've got to fight. Well, we're going to go back to Secret to My Success. Let's talk about what separated you from everybody else and what you've done in retirement, your business. What do you think your secret was to your happiness? Because i got to tell you, Uncle Jack, you are always smiling like you're passing gas. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that, that's Alan. 
I'm not saying you are passing gas all the time. I'm just saying you're always happy. Well, I said, what's the use of being down with all the terrible things that happen? Why not think of the good things and be happy? Try to make other people happy. Try to make them understand that their problem is serious, but not as serious as they think. If I could bring that out to them. Uncle Jack, I'm going to give you the soapbox. You could say anything you want to anybody you want. What, what do you want to tell them? Well, I don't talk about the war too much, except if I, my son Seth did ask me at one time. I, I tried to keep it light. It's impossible. You cannot keep war light. War is not light. When you talk about it, yeah. Right. So how about your family? Let's talk about the family. Marriage, kids. I was married twice. Mm-hmm. The first time I was married, it was about, I was a total of eight, nine years. I had three kids. My oldest boy is retarded, and he was home until he was five. We had two more children after that, and we noticed that children were emulated. My oldest son, he didn't walk too well. He used to crawl, they used to crawl after him. We knew we had to do something. So we found a place for him near the house and we brought him there and he stayed there for the rest of his life. He is still alive and I can't see him as much being a flower, but my other kids do see him. My daughter sees him at least once a week and my son tries to see him also. They keep him in the family. Mm-hmm. They know that he has somebody visit him. I went to visit him when I lived in Florida for a while. I visited him, he looked at me, and he looked at me as if he knew me, but he wasn't sure. And then he suddenly let go and ran towards me and gave him a hug. I, I fell apart. Mm. Listen, he'll, he'll always be my kid no matter what. And luckily my son and my daughter take good care of They see him every week. I didn't really know Mark very well. Yes. I, we lived in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But throughout the years with him being here in Florida and me being pretty close, I've gotten much closer with his other two children. Mm-hmm. And Seth is an amazing guy who makes me look like an amateur when it comes to connecting to people. The guy knows everybody, everybody. Mm-hmm. And Edra, my, his daughters, yeah. my cousin, they're, I could say that not all the Bornstein cousins are created equal. My two cousins <laughs> are amazing. They're awesome. I love both of them. That's awesome. Yep. So then you had a second marriage, right? Yes, I had a second marriage. I was, 40, I was married 42 years. 42 we years. We came down here, and she passed away in 2017. Oh, and my yeah. life, even my first wife, my life was good. The one thing bad about my first marriage was my wife listened to her mother and father more than she listened to me or to anyone else. Mm. Whatever her mother said was gospel. She was a good kid. Right. But that was, she thought more of pleasing them than her own family. 
Yeah, that's good advice, right? Because that happens a lot where the in-laws will kind of butt into the to she, the relationship. But 40 plus years, that's a hell of an accomplishment. She lived a long time. She May she rest in peace, just passed away. And, yes, just she, freezes, she passed away. She was, towards later life, she, she and I spoke always. Right. We always spoke. And she meant well, but as I say, she, she was controlled by her mother. Mm. Her mother really was the key. So I couldn't make it a while. Right. I was married a second time, 42 years. 42 ago. years. We had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. She passed away here. And after she did, I met this present woman, also Ooh. highly intelligent. The young one, right? Well, yeah, 96. I drove her car. And it's funny, she's from Boston, so she's got the whole. Yeah, actually. So we have some good genes in the family. My father's 94. And my uncle's 101. 101. Sorry, sorry, uh, uh, you're gonna live for a long time. Uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, it's been a long time. But it's fun to watch both of them, and it's funny because my uncle and my father probably couldn't be any more different. Hmm. My father's neurotic. <laughs> I love my dad, but his whole life revolves around when is he going to the doctor, mm. right? My father's the only guy that comes down here and leaves to go back to Maine in the wintertime. Uh, but kind of, you know, can't argue with that. Enjoy that weather, right? Right. Enjoy that, that crispness. My father... Jack, if you were to say that uh, the guys that you went uh, out of your era, your time, the guys that you went to war with yeah. and the guys that you grew up with, if you were to say you're probably the last man standing, right? The last man standing yeah. out of all your, your group? My group, there was, in my group, there were only, I'd say about four or five, four or five men left. And, and mm-hmm. what happened, I became a senior forward observer because of, of what happened. And as I said, our lifespan was, as a, was less than 20, 30 seconds. Seconds. Mm-hmm. Seconds. It's hard to believe, but even for me, it was hard to believe. But that's everybody was pulled in to become forward service. To once the older people like myself, those that remain, we taught the young guys coming up, coming in, and they didn't, some of them didn't last too long either. It was it was a ask anyone that was a forward observer, they'll 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 tell you things that I. I'm telling you now. I don't think there's too many people to talk about this with, but Uncle Jack, we can't thank you enough for being here. I don't need too many excuses to hang out with you. You're a good guy. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, I, as I said, my family is perfect. You included. You are wonderful. You hear that, Don? I'm uh, wonderful. You're wonderful. <laughs> I have a reference, okay? I have a reference. Reference check. So, yes. Check my references. So, it comes out of this. Let's put it back into perspective. No matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, if you're out starting your business, you're out trying to make a difference in this world, put it all in perspective. Because a lot of people have been through a lot of things for us to give us the opportunity for us to be successful. I'll never forget something my mother's hobby. I must have been nine, ten years old. And I happen to say the F word. Fudge? (laughs) And my mother heard me, sat me down, and she said, Jack, do you know what you're saying? 
Do you know what the F word means? I said, yeah, I know. It's a curse word. He said, yes, it's a curse word. But it also is a bad word for loving a person. He said, I want you to know, never. And I was a kid. I was maybe 10, 11. He took my forefinger and pointed to my heart and said, don't care what a person's color is. And don't care what his religion is. Just know yourself. Look for the best in everybody. There is. If they're no good, stay away. If they're good, cultivate them. I'll never forget Mama saying that to me. That's a lot of words from a woman that was four foot eleven. Well, <laughs> she went. She went to high school. She went to Brooklyn Eastern District High School. She graduated high school. She was educated. My father wasn't. But he was one of the kindest men you could ever want to meet. Louie, how would you like to wrap this up there, buddy? No, I'm, I'm in awe. I mean, I, I really, really admire uh, and listen to the stories. And I, we growing up, it's kind of similar. My, my, both of my grandparents and my mom's side, they all died right at 100. And we used to sit and listen to their stories when we grew up and it always amazes me how they took life in stride and they took the way they make things, you know, not worry about too many things, just live the day and, and be happy and find the good in people. And I think that's one of the secrets of life. I think uh, we get into the circle of people that they're always worried about things and, 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 and looking at people that side. But I think for while listening to Jack, you know, it's amazing that he's always finding the good in people and happy and and live life because he's lived an incredible life. Uh, and I'm so happy that I've known you and, and, and thank you for everything, you know, all the memories and everything that you've done. It's just incredible and I can never thank you enough. As you say, my life has been a happy one ever since the war because I've made it happy. There were so many good things in this life and so many good people. If you find them as I have found them, then all this is worth it. I just hope my kids, people like you, can bring this to the forefront of other people because I think that most of us are pretty decent, nice people. And you just got to find a good in people. My, my life is really a happy one because of my family. They are decent. I love you, Uncle Jack. You're a good man. I love you, too. Finally found a good Bornstein. A good Bornstein. <laughs> yes! I want to say, I've like with Louie, I'm in awe of you being here. I feel very blessed to be here in the studio with you and just had the conversations. Thank you for your services, and thank you for coming in here and, and sharing with us. Thank you, Uncle Jack. Thank, thank you. you very, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. It's awesome. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? 
Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. My name is Tom Reed, and I am the Managing General Partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. Guys, we appreciate you being here. So we have some incredible guests who are going to be telling us about their stories, their secret to success, and all the things that they've accomplished. Some of it's funny, some of it's sad, but most of it's really entertaining. So always inspiring. Always inspiring. Educational, motivational. You can go to our website, www.secret2mysuccess.com. Secret2mysuccess.com. We'd love to have you join us. 8 a.m. on Saturdays. My name is Matthew Levy, my company's Results Management Group. What I'm passionate about is people having the life that they want and the businesses that they want. Family business can be exceedingly difficult, but it can also be outrageously rewarding. Business and family is hard. My clients realize when they learn that if they approach their business through compassion and collaboration, the love grows and they unite around stable growing businesses, and I love being a part of that. My name is Matthew Levy. My company is Results Management Group. I grow companies and I grow people. Contact Matthew at 305-704-8990 or go to resultsmanagementgroup.com. That's resultsmanagementgroup.com. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. 